this is a special episode. So today, I'm going to start us off with a story of the first time I met this episode's guest, which I hope he doesn't remember. It's March of 2022, and I'm in the Baltimore office that day. I was going to get some water in the kitchen, and there was someone looking for something in the fridge. I didn't see their face, but they asked where the bloody creamer was in a British accent. So I, assuming they were an American, just being goofy, responded back, <clears throat> Oh, you seen the bloody left fridge, mate? Said person turns around, and it's the CEO. The CEO. Good, Emma. And of course, he's actually British, and I had never met him, and clearly was not on accent-mocking terms with. There was no comment on my criminally bad accent, but I was able to redeem myself by saying that I was the voice from the podcast. Of course, it was also raining that day, so I just should have known someone came over from across the pond. Then karma got me back because someone sideswiped my car on the way home from work that day. Moral of the story, don't do terrible accents to people you haven't identified yet. Yeah, I do remember it, Emma, to be fair. It's uh, the highly spirited engagement was great. Welcome back to the Commerce Collective podcast brought to you by Flywheel. If Commerce Collective sounds unfamiliar to you and you're now unsure of where you are and how you got here, take a listen to the episode right before this one in our feed. It's only three minutes, which will explain everything that you need to know. I am your host, Emma Irwin, a senior editor and specialist at Flywheel. Now, this is a cool episode. I mean, they're all cool, but I don't interview many guests whose titles begin with a C if you know what I mean. Today's episode perfectly aligns with a big announcement coming out of Flywheel today. But before I get too excited, let's actually meet our guest. I'm Duncan. I'm the chief executive of Flywheel Digital. And um, I keep in the background, but here I am being dragged out today to uh, talk about some of our initiatives that we've got going on right now. Yes, you've avoided us for over two years, which is pretty impressive to avoid as the CEO being on the podcast from the company. Well, firstly, I do have a face for radio, which I suppose helps for podcasts. <laughs> but secondly, uh, I prefer to let the real experts present on these sessions and for me to get on with the, uh, the job of administering the company in the background. Makes sense. Okay, so we might have had a name change of this podcast, but we, of course, are keeping the format pretty similar. So I still have to ask you, of course, what the last thing you purchased from Amazon was. Yes. And uh, of course, you can never prove whether this is true or not, because my account, I have four children and they all use my account. So proving exactly what I last ordered would be difficult. But um, my last actual purchase was some sticks to check the alkaline in water. Interesting. For like just your tap water? Do you have yeah, a pool? dipping sticks. Yeah, dipping sticks. I was just checking. We have a quite an antiquated plumbing system in my house, and I just wanted to double check some of the water up in the loft. I see. Okay, interesting. I did not see that coming. There you go. You see the exciting life of a chief executive when he's not at work. <laughs> you know. Was the water good? Was it safe to drink? It turns out it was just fine, which was probably a good result, I suspect. Another question we ask everyone that you'll answer at the end, but something on your digital wish list, which means that it just lives in a cart online forever and you never actually purchase it, but we'll end the podcast covering 
why that thing is in your digital wish list, if that sounds good. Okay, very good. So today, our company announced something kind of big, hence the point of Duncan and I finally getting to record together. I'm going to steal the announcement from myself and say that the essential digital commerce brands are coming together to build a more powerful flywheel. But now, I'm going to pass off Duncan to tell me more about this announcement because just that sentence doesn't quite do the magnitude of the announcement justice. And hey, let's put the CEO to work. Well, I don't know, actually, Emma. I think it could be a great sentence because the primary reason for this brand launch is to take a business we've been working very hard for many years, bring it together and really simplify it, not just for our customers, for the industry, but for our internal people and get us completely aligned behind the magnificent new platform that we're launching that really is what triggers this brand launch. So in essence, you know, we are rebranding, but I don't think that's the most important part here. What are we actually trying to do in terms of like a business sense and how will this allow us to really stand out against the competition in our space? Yeah, great question. So yeah, as you say, we are rebranding, which is the sort of exciting bit at the end that everyone notices. But the the real thing we've been doing is spending just over, in fact, six years, but two dedicated years of bringing together nearly 14 different businesses into one highly integrated enterprise e-commerce platform. And the aim of that is to ensure that for our top merchants worldwide, those are the organizations that are make up the majority of the work that we do, that we're enabling them with the most powerful end-to-end platform to manage, automate, optimize, and really drive the best results for their business on the global marketplaces. And so there's no reason to not work with us from what you're saying. Look, I think we've been trying to create what we think is the holistic solution for any major company where they get out of one single platform, one easy, simple version where all the data comes together, is standardized, is measured the same way, and they can look at across their top revenue generating marketplaces anywhere in the world, they can consistently know, is it, are they delivering? Aren't they delivering? Are they winning? Are they losing? If they are winning, what's driving that and how do we drive more of it? And if they're losing, what's driving that and how do we improve that? And that, in simple terms, has spent two and a half years, hundreds of engineers, many thousands or if not hundreds of thousands of man hours or people hours to create what is the most sophisticated platform available in the market today to enable people to go from inception of I want my product to sell on these marketplaces to right the way across of really knowing and measuring, did I win and did I get there? But I suppose the real heart of it is we've built the most advanced real-time trading platform that exists in the market today. So it really is about empowering our customers to apply algorithms to compete with the marketplace's algorithms. And when will that platform be available for all of our customers? Well, for all of our customers, it's going to be from Q1 next year. For the majority of our largest customers, we're starting to roll out now. And we expect to roll out across all of our customers, which, as you know, we have many thousands of customers. We're migrating them through this fourth quarter. But really, the aim of it was to get massive scale, test at massive scale, prove the difference 
demonstrate, you know, when you run, as we do, eight of the top 12 merchants biggest US marketplace, which is Amazon, you know, we are an organization that uniquely understands massive scale on these marketplaces and world-class execution in a way that no other organization does because they simply just don't run those kind of scale of merchants. And this platform has been built to operate at that absolute top end. We're pretty cool. I'm curious, was there like a strategic kind of reason to announce, you know, one flywheel now? Or was that really when we were ready to do it, we were able to pull it all together? Well, I would say that the it was actually the opposite, which is I really didn't want to announce one flywheel until the product actually existed. So we in ourselves over the years, many companies, you do branding exercises. But the most important thing for me was not that we've got a lovely new brand, which we have, and it's fantastic. And we're very proud of it. But actually, what was most important is that when our customers go on with this new brand to our new platform, their experience is, wow, this is the best platform to serve my business needs, rather than looking at a shiny new PowerPoint chart. Gotcha. Because you mentioned customers, I am kind of interested in getting more into a little bit of like the actual logistics. And so I'm wondering how should our customers and clients be taking this announcement. And I can already imagine like if I were still working on the client services side of things, I could imagine they see this one brand announcement today and I get all these emails in my inbox asking about, you know, how this announcement is going to change the ways of working between our different teams that are all trying to, or they're all striving to deliver the results that the clients and customers want, but they work with different teams who don't necessarily always work together on our end. How should customers be expecting us to be pulling things together? So certainly if they're uh, what we call an enterprise customer, but effectively a a major brand that comes through the vendor mechanisms into a marketplace, then as we migrate them and engage with them to come onto the single platform, at that point, their teams will also integrate. So they start to deal with just one team, one group of people, one service across our entire business to them. Of course, if you are outside of our enterprise or vendor teams, you will continue to uh, deal with the perpetual brand, which is what serves the sellers and the primarily sort of fast growth businesses going through third party. And in Asia, you'll continue to work with our Intrepid brand, which is around retail optimization in Southeast Asia. But beyond that, everywhere else in the world, you will start to notice that we've all moved to flywheel digital emails, et cetera, and your team and your support and your organization through Q4 will simplify so you start to deal with us on a single relationship experience. Part of this change means that Flywheel is becoming more self-serve. And so that sounds big, but I would love for you to tell me what that means exactly. Yeah, and I think that, you know, terminology around this in the industry is a bit confused, you know, and that's natural. I think what we've really tried to design in this next generation of platform and services that we offer to clients is really the flexibility for them to operate the best way they want to operate. And I would almost think of it more as uh, co-serving rather than self-serving. I think what we're going to see is clients will want to do some of the work within their own teams around their organization 
and have the capabilities to do that. And we'll absolutely give them the, the tools and platform now where they can operate at enterprise automation scale using our capabilities. But they're also going to want to do mix on that. They're going to want us to lead on certain areas in certain parts of the world. They won't have the capability to operate in those markets, and we will. You know, there's not many of our clients that can say they've got two and a half thousand dedicated professionals around the world that are all e-commerce experts. So, you know, they're going to inevitably look to leverage both our capabilities and the leading position we have of experts, someone like yourself, Emma, for example, around the world and taking advantage of those phenomenal skills. But at the same time, we recognize that customers, this is their, you know, this is core to how they deliver their financial results and their business. And so in some cases, they're also going to want to have more and more of that on their side of the fence. And so we spent two and a half years designing a platform that enables them to do exactly that mix and match and co-share in a way that we can support their business in the optimum model for how they want to operate around all those countries in the world where they can take our skills or do it in-house as they need to but there's not this big bang you know you've got to be in-house or you've got to be out of house because I just don't think, A, that works, B, it's totally impractical, and C, why would you want to give up access to the world's most knowledgeable and expert e-commerce organization with the most skilled individuals just to buy a technology? I mean, the reality is we want to give them the best tech in the world, and that's what we're about to deliver. But in addition to that, we're delivering them the best experts as well. And that is why that's why we're so unique because no one else in the world can cover the span we do, the capability of services we do, the marketplaces that we do, and they certainly can't claim they've got the level of expertise in all those countries and locations around the world that we do. So that's the, I suppose, the, the killer blow is customers get to choose the optimum model for them working with the, big, the most successful and most expert organization in the world to support them. I'm going to take it back a bit selfishly, not for me, but for our people, both current and future, why does this move for our company make this the absolute best place to work if you're interested in the industry of commerce? So look, I think firstly, there's nothing better, I think, when you work and you're at work than to be able to spend your working day with the most expert people across so many platforms in the world, across so many challenges, categories, activities, that when you come in, you're sort of sat with a group of people where you really feel A, proud to be working with them, so amongst them, but B, you know that the knowledge pool that is available to you on every topic is just on hand. And so whenever you're in a service organization supporting customers, to have that confidence that when you go into a customer without having to have hyperbole and overstating what you can do, to know that you can just go in, promise to deliver X for them and know you're going to deliver it because you've got a phenomenal team around you. I mean, sets you up to have a phenomenally strong career to be able to develop your skills and expertise beyond any other environment that I suspect you'd offered across so many countries in the world, across so many different formats, that it is, I think, if you want to be an e-commerce guru, even Yoda would be aspiring to be part of Flywheel. <laughs> part of Flywheel, we must be. Where do you see us in, let's say, five years? 
Look, I think for all organizations, getting ahead of yourselves is difficult. And what I would say is we have demonstrated great aspirations, but the what's really clear is the journey we've been on for the last nearly 10 years is only going to carry on accelerating and more and more of digital media, let's call it that, or digital environments are going to converge. So as an organization, we've got to keep developing. We've got to recognize that that convergence is coming. Consumers want to buy product, but they're going to want to buy product with their influence from kind of all points of entry to how they will and won't want to be inspired into uh, finding that brand or finding that product or fixing that problem in their life. And for us as a company, you know, our mission is to guarantee that any brand we're working with is optimizing across all those influence spheres to the time that customer turns up and clicks the buy button or clicks the button to pick it up in the store or clicks the button to get it, you know, from another location. They're doing that with the customer that we work for because we've genuinely been able to deliver that outcome to the consumer with the best product for them, with the best experience. So I think, Emma, you know, we've run very, very hard for a long time. The good news is we have a lot of marathon runners in our company. They love running, as you know. And, you know, that's a good thing because there's a lot of marathons ahead of us still to go. I think we can begin to wrap it up. I'm wondering, is this like your holy grail of a career move? Are you going to retire once we get this all coming together? You know, the product launches in Q1. Is this the end for you or are you like coming up with other ideas for how to drive the business forward after? Yeah, so Emma, it's a great question. I've spent 30 years actually in this, in building big data technology solutions. And it's been an absolute privilege to have the chance to be in that career and and to do what I do. And, you know, what I can say to you is that it's the most inspiring thing to certainly, and I, I have a deep passion and love for it. And, um, you know, I've got four children, a long suffering wife. In fact, we've been almost married 30 years this year. And I think their general view would be that they would love me never to retire because they know <laughs> just how much I love my work. And they love the fact that I love my work because they, uh, you know, they recognize I'm a much happier person for it. So no retirement soon, Emma. We got plenty to keep going at. <laughs> you know, who knows? Uh, they say as you get older and wiser, you get better. That would suggest I've still got my best 20 years ahead of me. I see. I see. That was a good answer. Okay. One curveball question for you. If Flywheel was a Premier League team, which one would you want it to be? Well, it could only be Chelsea, of course, as a long-time Chelsea fan. I would pride ourselves on the fact that we have the best long-term capabilities, the greatest talent around our club, some of the longest Premier League committed fans ever. And of course, as all great teams need to, they have to live in a capital city. It's very, very hard when they're in the outback, like good old Man City are, to uh, really ever be a long-term winning Premier League team. And you know the follow-up questions which are getting fed to me this but are Chelsea's not a winning team don't we want to be number one yeah we do want to be one but what I'd also always <laughs> say is form is temporary class is permanent incredible put that on though you could hang that right on the wall behind you <laughs> okay absolute last question for you we're coming back to the digital wish list and that thing that just lives in a cart of yours forever and ever that you won't actually purchase and why yeah, great question. And um, for me, it's a bit of an odd answer, which is 
I have kept coming back to time and time again in that digital wish list to a garden fork to dig a particular part of my garden. And, uh, you know, I am an avid gardener in terms of I do the labour. I have absolutely no skill at gardening. My wife brings all that expertise. I just do the grunt work. But I could never bring myself to spend the money on this particular garden fork. So maybe one day I will, but it just shows you that, you know, we all have hobbies and, and talents. But for me, labouring in the garden at the weekend is uh, about the best that my skills get to. What's the price on this garden fork? I need to know. Oh, it's expensive. It's uh, it's a top brand. In dollar terms, you're talking over $150 for a garden fork. So it's kind of very premium is what I would say. If you were in the U.S., I would say, man, I can just send you my husky and he will dig all the holes that you could ever want in your garden. <laughs> yeah, we might take you up on that. <laughs> it's not. It would be more than $150 to send him on a plane to you. But if you were around here, I'd be like, oh, I have the answer. The big difference, Emma, and it's, uh, you know, an English person's home is their castle. And um, no matter how big, small or indifferent it is, for whatever strange reason, we love spending hours in the gardens in the UK, digging away and doing stuff. It's a good so, hobby. Um, there you go. And with that, we have come to the end of this episode of the Commerce Collective Podcast, and we hope that you are as excited as we are for the future of Flywheel. Thank you to Duncan Painter for helping guide us through this announcement. And thanks to Klaus Cancel for producing this episode and sound design from Enos Satenji. Next time, see you, we will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the things I do for this job.